0: All right, good morning and uh, we're back again and uh God was giving me a lot of stuff to work with this week and deciding what to go forward with, and we're going to get to it all and we're going to continue on with where we started and, and in a different direction and look at some different things we've been talking about purpose and uh, how that plays into life and looking at some of the different things that life throws at us and uh, just as before we got started today, one thing God laid on my heart is is that we, we look around and um, some weeks are up and some weeks are down. And we wonder, you know, why that is. We see that church is one place that's uh, affected more than any others when it comes to, to absentness. You know, if you was missing from your job as often as you're missing from church, that you would no longer be employed. If uh, you was missing from your social groups as much as you're missing from church, then uh, you would no longer be part of them, them groups. But church is one of those things that you can come and get right back to, and it gets easier and easier. You know, we're in a in a war. It's good versus evil. And every day we have these little battles. And when we overcome... The world, We overcome the excuses that we're given each and every day to do what God wants us to do. To be able to push through whatever we have that's holding us back and be able to do what God wants us to do. That is a victory. That is a win. That is a good mark on the good side. And none of that has absolutely anything to do with today's message. So let's move on. We're going to be in 2 Samuel Verse 15, chapter 15, excuse me, so in verse 1. And um, where we're picking up at, where we see that David has been the king. And uh, if you've ever studied any kind of history, um, or if you've done any, watched anything, read anything that is period-specific, that has to do with kings. It has to do with leadership. There's a common thing. Many times that the leader fails because they let the the power that they perceive to have overtake them and they quit making good and godly decisions. We see examples of that as if with King Saul. We see that with Solomon. And then another thing that we see is that there's always a struggle for them to keep that position because there's always someone that wants to be more powerful that wants to have what they have, that wants to take over. And we see that all the way in the garden. We see that with Satan because that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to be the king. But unfortunately for him, that no one outranks Jesus. No one can dethrone him. He is our one true king. And I have to believe that when God is conversing with the people of Israel and they're asking for a king and he's giving them the warnings through Samuel that, no, a king is not what you need. But they insisted anyway that this is part of it, part of the struggles of what the, the king has. And in chapter 15, 1 and 12. And when it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared his chariots and horses and fifty men and before him and Absalom rose early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had any controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one of the tribes of Israel. And he said unto them, See thy matters that are good and right, and that is no man disputed of the king to hear him. He said, Moreover, O, oh, that I were to make made judge of the land, that every man which have any suit or cause might come to me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him, nor do him That he put forth his hand and took it and kissed him, and in all manner did he to all Israel that came for the king for judgment. And he stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And it came to pass after forty years that he said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go, pay my vow which I have vowed to the Lord. And Hebron, for the servant vowed a vow why I abode. And Gashar of Syria saying, The Lord shall bring me again into Jerusalem, and I will serve the Lord again. And the king said, Go in peace, and he arose and went. But he sent spies throughout the tribes of Israel, saying, Soon you will hear a sound of trumpet, and thou shalt reign. And when he went, two hundred men out of Jerusalem were called, and they went into their sympathy, and they knew not a thing. And then he sent for Ahitophile, the Gentot, and David's counselor for the city, and even from Gaul, for which he offered sacrifices, and the conspiracies were strong, for the people increased continuously with him. And in thirteen it said, And David and there came a messenger to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Abasom. So let's uh, let's recap here because I was butchering a few names there and uh this is some, a lot of stuff to take in. So let's paint a picture. So the king would uh would sit up on the throne, and one of his kingly duties is is to make Judgments. We see an example of this uh, whenever Solomon was king. We have the the story of the two women that are fighting over whose child it is, and he's you know uses his wisdom to tell them to divide it in half. And then the the true mother says, you know, no, you take it. I'm not you know to keep the child from being killed. And that's an example of the the king's judgment, and uh, he would make judgments over these different things, and that would be the final say. He would handle discrepancies. He would handle the situations. That was, was one of his jobs. And you see, his, his son was sitting outside the gate because he wanted to overthrow. He wanted to take charge. He wanted to have his own power. And he was willing to do whatever it took to do it. So, many times whenever we're a leader... We don't have the time to take care of every single situation right then. Sometimes we have to prioritize and put things off to later. Sometimes we have to sort things out and determine that some things are just simply not worth the time to deal with. Sometimes we have to let other people deal with it. Sometimes we have to tell people you need to handle that yourself. And the problem when we do things like this is, is that everybody, when they have a situation, when they have a problem, they feel that it is the utmost importance. They're not looking at the big picture. They're not looking at the other Hundreds of thousands of people that have situations that need to be dealt with. They don't understand that there's people that are in more dire need, that are in a dire situations, that there is are a bigger picture of pieces coming together that have to be taken care of. Because we're what? We're selfish. And we're only concerned about what is bothering us because it's stirring up our feelings. Because we have a situation, we're filled full of anxiety, we're filled full of fear, we're unhappy, we're sad, we're angry. And we want those feelings to be resolved, turned around, and done something different. We're looking for absolution. We're looking for justice. So we don't care about any of those other things. We throw empathy out the window. We're not willing to think about what it's like to be in the position that David is as the king. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about David, if we're talking about your governor, if you're talking about the president, if you're talking about any person, some of these things are going to come into play. Even as a parent, you're going to have to make some of these delegation situations that you're going to have to be able to sort through because you are a leader. You're a leader over your own tribe. You have to do these things. Bottom line is, everybody is not going to be happy All the time. But here comes David's son. He's sitting there at the gate before the people ever walk in. And he says, Hey, what is your situation? Tell me about it. And what do we like to do? When we got a problem, what do we like to do? We like to tell other people about it. Why? Because we like sympathy. We like to be able to get it off our chest. Misery loves company. We want other people to endure what we are. We want people to react to our feelings. So, of course, people are willing to open up and say, hey, yeah, this is what I got going on. And then what he would do in return. He would say, oh, that's a. That's a hard situation. This is what I would do if I was in power. This is what I would do. And on the flip side, he would say, but look, your problem isn't important enough for the king that we have. Your problem isn't big enough. He doesn't care about you, but I do. And this is what I would do. And he makes all of these promises. But the thing is, promises are useless until they come a reality. You can make all the promises that you want. Someone can make you all the promises to you that you want. But the fact is, until them promises become a reality, they are no good to anyone. It's like buying on credit. It's called a promissory note. You make a promise to pay back this money plus the interest. And until that is received in full, you've not fulfilled your promise. And until you do, the institution that granted that loan has not reaped the full benefit of your promise. So he's out here and he's he's making... He's being a politician, is what he's doing. He's taking, he's, he's putting down the other person. He's pointing out all their faults and he's telling all the things that he can do. And it's all lies, it's all deception. Because we see, he says he's going to do one thing, and what does he do? He leaves and he sends back all these spies, and he's just waiting for an opportunity. It's just an illusion. and he's able to to turn the hearts of these men with just simple words. And then the king has to flee. He's in danger now. Not because of wrongdoing, not because of anything that he has done because of conspiracy You know you wonder how is it that people can follow into a cult You wonder how some of these radical religions come to play how they can get all of these followers how they can get all these people to comply We see these mass mass groups of people, and they're out looting and destroying things in the name of protest. And it's all against the law, against the Constitution. It's all negative behavior, but we have these masses of groups doing so. And it's all because of conspiracy. Because all it takes is, is one person putting out words. And they just have to sound good. They're pleasing to our ears. They're pleasing to our, our thoughts, our minds. And they, they get trapped in there. And we, we let it take a hold. And what we do is we, do, we fail to, to fact check. How many of you today follow along When I was reading. I try to always give you where I'm reading from when I'm reading from the word of God. And I encourage you to follow along. But if you notice today, I cheated a little bit. Because they like to use these names over and over and over again. And I omitted them from the reading because I have a hard time saying them. But you know, if you wasn't following along, you never would have knew that. You would have thought I was reading it verbatim. A lot of times I will paraphrase or I'll just pull something out and give you my version of what it says. And I always encourage you to go back and read it and get every word. Because God put every word in here for a reason. I like the King James. The King James is hard to read. The, the way they use words sometimes from the, the translation is difficult. I know there's a lot of versions of the Bible that is easier to read. They use more modern language. But the problem is that sometimes when you just change just one word, just the tense of one word, you have changed that entire message. You've completely changed what it says. So I want to know what... God is telling me the closest I can get from his mouth. So we're going to struggle through with this. We're going to struggle through with these hard to read. We're going to go back over and over again. And, you know, maybe that's some of the point. Because sometimes we have to go back and reread and really think about it. Put some effort into it to really see what is God trying to tell me here. Or he's telling me what should I be getting out of it. The point is, you should always, always check. Whenever I like to go back and I like to to hear the scripture, I like to read it for myself. I want to make sure that I'm getting the, the best version of it. And I want to make sure that I'm getting the right context, the right interpretation. Because it's real easy to twist around something, to omit a verse above or a verse below and just pull out what you're needing to make your point. You know, our minds, if we're already persuaded in one direction, it's real easy to adapt everything else to fit that narrative. Because we only start looking for what we need to do to support what we already believe. And that's what's challenging because we're not brand new. You know, we're starting to get up there in age, most of us. We have a lot of life behind us. And even, even if you're young, you have everything that you've done as a child. You know, maybe you weren't raised in church. Maybe you weren't raised in the right church. Maybe you haven't been getting the right teachings. Because I'm here to tell you people, there is a lot more of the wrong teachings. We have churches all over the place. And it's because when someone don't agree with something, they just simply want to go somewhere else and do their own thing. We go into a mindset that we want to do what we want to do and not what God wants. And the religious leaders, we look back when Jesus walked the earth, those Pharisees, they were all about themselves. What they were going to get out of it. Their money, their power. Jesus was a threat to that. And that's why he was crucified. They had to get him out of there because they were threatening their livelihood. Jesus would teach. You know what he told his people? He said, if they don't want to listen, Go. Because, you know, his ministry wasn't about him. It wasn't about glorifying him. It wasn't about building a kingdom here on earth. It wasn't about building a following. It was about teaching people, training people the correct way. And you have to be able to want it. I can stand up here week after week after week and tell you what the truth of God is. And week after week after week, most of the time, you're probably not going to feel very good about it because we are not perfect people. We have not been living a perfect godly lifestyle. Which means... We're going to start feeling bad about some of the things that we do, the way that we think, the who we are, because we are not living up to God's standard. We are not exercising what God tells us to do. We're not learning how. We're not immersed into the world, the word. So we're going to feel bad about it. Less and less, I take in less teachings because you can see more and more of the world in people. We talked about, was it last week or the week before, how pastors will give these neutered, watered-down messages. Because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't want to lose that income coming in. We don't want to see people leave, go somewhere else. Because they got to promote some TV shows. They got to drive book sales. They got to send people to those highly sponsored Podcast, they got that image they have to obtain. They have to be liked. They have to be liked for their sales, for their status, and they have to be liked for their brand. I'm not selling a brand. I don't even tell you who I am. I don't announce it. I don't have sponsorship. All I want to do is share the true word of God. And if you don't like me, that's fine. We do nothing if we are not speaking the truth so we have two things we have to take away from this message today number one is we have to make a stand and uh, one of these very predominant well known if I was to say his name right now I'm sure everybody listening would know exactly who it is they've heard of him before He's all over the place. But when he got asked a question, how do you feel about this? And the subject matter really doesn't matter because that's a, a whole other topic. But it was a subject matter that is clearly, clearly, clearly stated in the Word of God. There is no question about it. No question about it. And he couldn't take a stand. He couldn't say, This is what the Word of God says. And what we got from him was a very neutered, unipersonal answer that could fit any single person that presented no fight for God, no chance of any kind of conviction. Because there was nothing harmful in it. Because there was no truth in it. I don't care how big you are, if you're not willing to stand up for God and stand up for what's right, then that is a failure. And it just doesn't apply to the pastors. Teachers, it applies to each and every person, each and every one of us, because we have these choices. We have these battles that we face each and every day, and we can either stand up for God or we can be liked. The second thing that we need to do is... We need to rely on truth. You know how many things that people post up on their cute little social media feeds that they say are are Bible quotes? But you know the one thing they're missing is most of the time when you see a Bible quote, you'll see it in big letters across there but somewhere usually underneath it in little bitty you'll see the scripture address you'll see the book the chapter and the verse and this is very important because this shows you exactly where it came from now sometimes they might shrink it down to make it fit on their little sticker or bumper sticker but at least you know where it came from and you have a place to go to read it in its entirety and that's that's a good thing I recommend promoting that all the time. We need to get more people into the Word of God. Give them a reason to go there. But the problem is is when that little thing's missing. They say, oh, look at this. This is what the Bible says about... And then they'll throw it out there, but they're missing that little part. And you know why? Because it's not there. It's not part of the Word of God. It's something that someone has created up and came from some little other place, and they think it's in the Word. But we don't know that because we've never taken the time to fact check. We listen, and we believe things to be true. But we don't actually look into the truth. We have news that comes on What? Three, four times a day? And on the TV, it's in our, on the, you can get it anywhere. Newspapers, online, news is everywhere. And we tend to, what? Believe every single thing that we hear because why? It's on the news. Why cannot that be corrupt? Satan has dominion over the earth. Satan has dominion over the earth. Man turned it over to him. That means he can access anything in this world. He has the authority to do so. He has the authority to be here, the authority to do so. He can tempt, he can test, he can lie, he can cheat, and he can use any person that is willing to let him use them. See, we have free will, so we have to turn ourselves over to God. But we also have that same free will to turn ourselves over to Satan. But Satan's tricky about it because you won't even know you're doing it. You just get away from God just enough that He just takes you in. And He's just like David's son here. He's telling you all of these things. He's making it sound good. He's making all these promises. And He's putting down... God himself, making him look like the bad guy. And what are we doing? We're believing it because we're not fact-checking it. They tell you all of these things. Good news never sells. Nobody wants to pick up a, you know... We'll talk about newspapers for a little bit. We're going to really date myself right now. We're going to talk about newspapers because it used to be the front page news is what sell because that's what you saw when you looked through them little paper boxes. You know, remember you put a quarter in, you pull down the door, you pull out a newspaper. Some of you probably don't have no idea what I'm talking about. When you see it laying there in the checkouts, Rack, You see that, that front page. You see the headline. You see that front picture. It's front page news. But we know we never see about someone again healing from cancer. We never see about someone building a church. We never see these good things that happen. They even put the, the graduations in the very back page. We don't see these grand things. What we see is disaster. We see fire. We see murder. We see two shot, three dead. We see tragedy. We see bad guys. We see all the the negativity because that's what people want to read about. We like the bad news. We're default negative. So that's what we, we put out. And that's what we remember. You can have an entire lifetime of being good, doing good things, being, having good works. Make one mistake. Make one mistake. And that. Is what people are going to remember. That is what you'll be overcoming the rest of your life. Because it seems like one little wrongdoing can wipe away an entire lifetime of excellence. And even after you get through that little blip, no matter what you do on the other side of it, people are always looking back at that one little blip on the radar, that one little mistake. And we're all guilty. We've all done things, but yet we don't have the the compassion. We don't have the empathy. We don't have the the skills that we need to be able to forgive and forget. We can't look at the whole picture. We can't look at the whole person. We look at one thing. So all we have to do is, is take one idea, plant one bad seed, and let it grow. And we can totally. Destroy a person this past election we've seen that we've seen a lie told and people still to this day still believe certain things that were said during the course of this no matter what the truth actually is and many times, we know we can go and we can look and we know we can, we can verify. And still, we do not believe what the truth says because we'll say that it's made up, it's been altered. Or we'll simply just not look at all because we don't want to know the truth. Because we like what sounds good. And then when we get into the, the, the middle of it, we want to, to stay with it then. then. We want to stay with them. We're, we're looking for, for something. They're lifting restrictions, but yet people still want to do it because they found comfort in it. It doesn't matter what the facts are. If the fact is that it makes you feel a certain way, you feel like comfort and a security, so you're going to keep doing it no matter what the truth is. We have to break out of this idea of comfort. God's not concerned about our comfort. He's concerned about our destination. And many times during our journey getting to our destination, we are going to be uncomfortable. We are going to face challenges. We are going to have tests. We are going to have heartache. We are going to have hurt feelings. We are going to have uncomfortable feelings. Because we cannot grow in our state of comfort. We cannot be better. We cannot improve. We have to push through our challenges. It might hurt, but we have to push through. There's going to be pain. We have to overcome it. There are going to be difficulties. We'll have to get our way through There are going to be challenges. We will come through them. Why? Because we have one thing that allows us to do each and every one of these things. And that is God. I used to always dislike it when someone would tell me that it could be worse. And as I've matured. I realize why I dislike that so much. It's because that I wanted to wallow in my own self-pity. I wanted to enjoy that pity party that I was throwing. I was the guest of honor in it. I wanted to be able to just sulk in my misery because of my disappointment or defeat or whatever this thing is. I don't want to think about that someone could have it worse than me. I want to be concerned about myself and my feelings at the time. But it is just that. It is your feelings at the time. And the fact is, no matter where you're at, there's always someone that's got it worse. Yes, you might have struggled to get here today. But there are some people that can't get out and go. So that is a blessing. You might be in pain today. But there is someone that is in so much pain that they can't even think they can't even call out to Jesus. There might you might be be broke. But there is someone that is living on the street because they have absolutely nothing. Your child might be troubled, but someone else's child might be lost. You might be lonely, but there might be someone that hasn't found Jesus that are truly alone. We have to think. God has given us this incredible mind. This is what separates us. We can think. We can reason. We can use logic. We have free will. But we'd rather be told what to do. We'd rather be told how to think. You ever notice that about God? Not a one of you today, not a one of you was forced into this building. Each and every one of you Walked in here underneath your own free will, under your own free power. If you're listening to this today, you're listening to it because you went to the effort to download it and to turn it on and to listen. You did it out of your own free will. No one made you do it. You're not gaining any money for it. You're not getting any points. You're doing it for yourself. Because you want to learn more about the Word of God. Because God doesn't force himself on us. God doesn't force himself. He is here for us. He is here to listen. He is here to do and give us everything that we need. But he is not thrusted upon us. He is different than every other ruler because he doesn't force anything upon us. It's completely free, completely voluntarily. And that is the difference. You look at the, the love that you have for the people in your lives. The love for your children. You do that voluntarily. No one makes you. The love for your spouse. The love for your family. The love for your friends. You do these things because you want to. Not because you have to. But I want you to look. Here's the contrast now. Now get this. Some of you ain't going to like it. Well, look at all the other things that, that are being thrust upon us. Why is that? Why are things being so forced? Through regulation, through threats, through fear, through promise, through reward, Jesus Christ is the ultimate gift you can get. There's no better. When you choose Him, you choose the kingdom of heaven. You can get everything that you need. And it's absolutely free with no pressure to receive it. But everything else, everything else, we are are forced, forced, forced. They're having million dollar raffles in Ohio to get people to get vaccinated. You have to ask yourself, why? Why is there such a push for all these different things? Push so hard to win, so hard to come to power, so hard to do all these different things. Have to push this bill through, that bill through, hide it underneath here, distract here, do there. You do all these different things to make things happen. That is not love. That is not God. And if it's not God, if it's not love. If it's not the truth, then it has to be Satan. It has to be of the world. And many of you don't want to hear that because you want to have faith in not God, but people. You want to have faith in government, but not God. You want to have faith in the world. You want to have faith in humanity, but not God. God is the truth. Everything else is an illusion. And there's truth to back it up. There's truth to back it up. When someone asks you where you stand with God... When someone asks you a a godly question, when you're a Christian, when you're in God's army, when you're a warrior for Christ, you need to be able to answer without wavering. This is what I believe because this is what the Word of God says, and this is God's purpose in it. I just added that third one to my creed. Because it's simply nowadays, it's not good enough to simply call yourself a Christian. It's simply not good enough to be able to say, I believe. We need to have a, a true faith and we need to know what the word of God says. But we also need to know what is God's purpose behind what he says. Don't want to be someone that says, because God said, God said this because of this. Because this is his truth. This is why we should be doing this. This is why we should not be doing this. This is his purpose. This is God's purpose. And you can't use the excuse that you don't know because it is here. He has given us everything that we need. We need to know what God says and what is his purpose. Because when we can do those things, that is every bit of fact that anyone needs and every bit of truth. To be able to withstand any argument. And when the world keeps throwing stuff in our faces, we need to be able to look at that and say, no, that's not God's purpose. No, that is not God's truth. No, there is no fact to back that up. We need to be able to decipher these things. We have so much coming in that we are getting steamrolled. With information that is wrong, that is untruthful, that is supporting Satan's cause. We have to decide to make that change. We have to decide that we want to be in the truth. Where are you at today? Are you ready to make that change? Are you ready to do something different?